0: I want to begin this morning by uh, reviewing a little bit from last night on the area of interpretation. Once you get all of the material, and I mentioned there are a couple diagrams that you have. um, The heart, uh, they call it the three trees, but it's a shrub, a growing tree, and a cross in the middle. It'll look something like that, but it's a a worksheet, and I'm, I, I see it, some of you found it. This is a tool. That's what it is for organizing your material to interpret it correctly. And what you can do uh, on that paper is start writing down in those different blocks the information you gather on people. So you could, uh, like on the screen there, what are some of the uh, unbelief statements things that are thinking or wanting and that would be, be down at the root level then behavior comes up out of our heart right? out of the heart flow the issues of life so that's what you'd be uh, all things that are wanting and thinking then what are their behaviors what they're doing or not doing how are they feeling that's usually above ground The heat uh, this is sort of in a, a picture from Jeremiah 17, with the heat and the shrub in the desert, and then there's a tree planted by the stream that bears forth fruit and, and, and very dry times. That's Jeremiah 17. So the heat would be what pressures are coming in on the people, things from their past Maybe their home was a a tough home to grow up in. Maybe they were abused in some fashion. What are the pressures coming in on their life? Maybe it's present-day pressures. A job, uh, financial pressures, and really the pressures from outside expose the heart. God uses pressures to expose what's inside. If you think of the heart like a sponge, what's in the sponge comes out under pressure. So squeeze it, and you can say all day long, uh, the sponge has uh, water in it. All right? I mean, we can say I'm, you know, I'm spiritual and everything else. But under pressure and trial, when that's squeezed, if milk comes out, you go, "Whoa! I thought there was water in there." And God knows what's in our heart, but we often can be deceived. And at times you go, whoa, what just happened there? Well, what's inside comes out. So that's with the pressures. And then where are they at with the Lord? Where are they at in their view of God, of Jesus Christ, the gospel? And so I would use that form there to jot down anything of their past, their upbringing, if they came up uh, and grew up in a cult. Uh, Are they clear on the Trinity? Are they clear on the truths of who Christ is, what he accomplished? So anything in the spiritual realm, in the the sense of their view of God, the view of the gospel, I write those things down, and and then it helps me know where I need to go and help them, and discipling them and counseling them. And then eventually you want to get over to the left-hand side of that page, where now they need to put on and renew their minds, think God's thoughts, want what he wants, and then come up into rises up into different behaviors now, righteous behaviors, more Christ-like behaviors, and out into the good fruit. So that's a diagram that David Paulson, uh, and I've adapted it, I mean, it's it's worked it a little bit more, but he, it's often called the Three Trees Diagram. Uh, There's a book written, How People Change, by Tim Lane and Paul Tripp, which they work through that even more but that's just a helpful organization of all of your facts to where you can see what's going on in their life and maybe help them see what's going on in their life and their views Uh, now a question comes up in what do we do once we organize all that material before we start instructing the person well where are you going to go with them and this, these are general suggestions uh, when you're thinking, when I'm meeting with someone, generally, what am I going to address? So it might take one or two sessions with someone. This is another diagram. It looks like a, a bar graphs. I think you might have that somewhere. Does anyone find it yet? There it is. I do see it. Is it the end of all the notes? Does it have a page number on it? After page 7. So all this is is a suggestion of spend at least one long time, maybe a couple of times, gathering information Last night you heard Brad speak on involvement and hope. That would be going on there for sure in that first few times there and keeps ongoing, but spend a, get the information. Remember Proverbs 18:13, don't answer something before you've heard it. Secondly, walk through the gospel with them. Where are they at with Jesus Christ? I have them write out their testimony. I have them fill out questionnaires open-ended questionnaires. I want to know where they're at with Jesus because I don't want to build on in their life if they don't have a foundation of the gospel. So I'll spend, well, maybe keep going if they're unsaved, but if they're saved, at least one session, maybe a couple. Let's just talk through that as it relates to your life. All of this relates to their life and what they came for counseling for. Then I I want to move from there into the heart. And you're going to, I think, have that lecture, that seminar, the next weekend that you're here on heart, idols of the heart, heart worship. And a lot of you are familiar with the book that Brad wrote on gospel treason. But if they don't understand their heart, and it's not a Valentine's emotion factory. Valentine's Valentine's Day is a Western view. The... The biblical view of the heart is the, it's more between your ears than it's in your chest. It's what you want and think and choose. It's not this emotion-filled, pumping uh, organ that the Western view Valentine's picture. So do they understand the heart, the worship of the heart, what's going on in there? Then I want them... To think through how do you change and grow once you see what's going on in your heart out in your behavior how do you change and grow so i'll spend a few sessions on that as it relates to what they came in for what they're they're saying they're struggling with and we talked about that last night making sure they have a biblical view of change and they're not just letting go and letting god and then i get even more specific let's take the change process and let's take an area of your life now, let's really work at it. Now, we're in more of a micro surgery. Here's one major area of your life. You lust for approval, the fear of man. world would call it codependency. Let's unpack that, what you're wanting, thinking. Let's go to the scriptures, and go to Christ, and let's work through that, renewing it, repenting, growing in your faith in that area. So, that's a general progression of where I'm headed with people. And it just kind of keeps it organized, uh, interpreting the information biblically, and helping them to grow in their faith if they're in Christ. So that's the purpose of those two documents. Now this morning, we're going to be looking, uh, changing a little gear, moving a little forward. Once you have this plan, I think in your notes it's a strategy, now we're going to look at, uh, in this session, instruction and implementation or homework or being a doer of the Word. And these are uh, the six key elements in counseling. So you've, last night, you heard Brad on involvement and hope. I talked about inventory and interpretation, and now we're looking at instruction and implementation now there are two mistaken ideas here about counseling instruction second timothy actually there's two passages in second timothy uh, second timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 15 it says do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Remember the first session that Brad spoke on, on hermeneutics, laws of of interpretation, and studying scripture, making sure we're we're not misusing scripture. Uh, I remember a uh, A promise calendar. you know what promise calendars are? Promise boxes. They look like a little loaf of bread and people buy them in Christian bookstores and they have verses cut out of context put in there and they're called promises. Most of them aren't promises. And I remember uh, someone gave me a promise calendar. And so they take a verse and they say, this is the promise of the day, name it and claim it kind of thing. It's like the evangelical fortune cookie approach to your day. And I'm flipping through the calendar, and I, I, I look at this one verse, and I think, I can't believe someone did this. It was Luke 4, 7. And it said, if you worship me, it will all be yours. I looked at that. It was from Luke chapter 4, verse 7. I think that was Satan saying that to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, remember that? When, when Satan said, if you worship me, it will all be yours. That is not the promise of the day. Matter of fact, your day won't go very well if you go into that one. So be careful with the scriptures. Now, two mistaken ideas. Some people think counseling is all instruction. And this is, it's not good counseling. Where you come in and say, you know, I'm just really depressed. And the counselor says, all right, that's all I need to hear. Let's get into the scripture. And I mean, they launch into a sermon, a whole lesson, and there's no more dialogue. Counseling, biblical counseling, is a is a dialogue where you're instructing with scripture, but you're getting feedback. It's given and take. It's not preaching. And it's not just a lecture. It's dialoguing with the scripture. And what hap- happens in some... Uh, with some people is they get into a ditch where they don't want to hear anymore i just heard you were depressed that's all i need to hear let's just get into the scripture you go well do you know anything about how when did this start started with the depression how, how severe is it are they are they suicidal have they had a good medical checkup to see if there's uh, any other issues that could be complicating this you know if you have low thyroid you will have every manifestation of clinical depression So, I mean, are are we doing due diligence or are we answering a matter before we hear it? So there needs to be a dialogue. So that's one ditch you want to stay out of where you're doing all the talking. And in ACBC, when I serve as a membership director there, when we're supervising those being certified, we're listening. You have to tape a few sessions. We need to listen to what does it sound like in the counseling when you're counseling someone. And there are many times where the counselor is doing all the talking. And so we want to help the counselor. No, it needs to be dialogue. If you hear yourself talking more than four minutes without a break, you're doing too much talking. You need to be getting them to read, to respond. There ought to be a a good give and take. Also, counseling, uh, another ditch you want to stay out of is where there's no or very little instruction. Now, this is really important because sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. If people are going to grow in the Christian life and be sanctified, they need God's word. And and this is the word they need. But just don't dump truck it into their life. I mean, just dump the whole thing with no dialogue. And also, don't skimp on it. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but... be careful it doesn't end up like brad said like parsley on the side plate it's just a very little at all and that is how the lord the spirit will be helping with the sanctification is sanctify them by thy truth so we need it now going on the nature of counseling instruction it should be exclusively biblical and I'm going to read a couple of statements. This is, um, a lot of you have read Wayne Grudem in uh, his systematic theology book. He has a section on sufficiency of scripture. That's a big word, but what does it mean? And I'm quoting him, uh, and it, you can find it in other systematic theology books as well. Quote, the sufficiency of scripture tells us that nothing is required of us by God that is not commanded in scripture either explicitly or by implication. This reminds us that the focus of our search for God's will ought to be on scripture rather than on seeking guidance through prayer for changed circumstances or altered feelings or direct guidance from the Holy Spirit apart from Scripture. We want to stay into the Scriptures. That, we know, is God's Word. Another quote I found was from Archbishop Thomas Cranmer, who said, If there were any Word of God beside the Scripture, we could never be certain of God's Word. And if we be uncertain of God's word, the devil might bring in in among us a new word, a new doctrine, a new faith, a new church, a new God, yea, himself to be a God. If the church and the Christian faith did not stay itself upon the word of God certain as upon a sure and strong foundation, no man could know whether he had a right faith and whether he were in the true church of Christ. This is really important that we... That's the only way we know for certain that it's God if it's in the Scripture as far as a word. So exclusively biblical. Don't be adding to Scripture. If God's word is perfect and complete, to add to it is to subtract from it. To add to something perfect is to subtract from it. And often, what happens is people don't want to walk by faith in God's word. They want to walk by sight and by feelings. And feelings are fine, just they need to follow firm doctrine and following the scripture. So, good word, exclusively biblical. We're not adding, uh, and also uh, Larry Crabb said, or Oprah said, or Dr. Phil says, and we're not adding all other kinds of voices into this. God says. And you know what I've started doing, and my dad really helped me with this. I would say, you know what Paul said here in Romans? And my dad, a faithful man of God, said, Stuart, God says. God said, through the pen of Paul. It's not Paul. This is God's word. And I went, you're right. So I've tried to help myself, I mean, remind myself, when I'm speaking, and I turn to James... I don't say James says. God says through the pen of James. Right, this is inspired of the Spirit. This is God's word. It's not James' word. Although James wrote as a human author he was born along by the Spirit so that the word that was in the scripture was inspired, breathed out by God. So exclusively biblical. Also biblically accurate. As I read there in 2 Timothy 2:15, "Know the meaning of important words. Uh, we use them all the time. We can talk about Jesus. I was on a plane going from Louisville to Dallas, and I was sitting there with this uh, young couple, and I had my Bible out and I was grading. I was doing a few things there, um, trying to make good use of the time down to Dallas. And they said, "Oh, are you a Christian?" And I said, "Yes." I said, "We are too." I said we're just newly married and everything and I said well that's great I said are you from Dallas are you from Louisville are you just coming through and he said no we're from Dallas I said oh so we're just talking for a while 10-15 minutes and I thought I wonder where they go to church in Dallas so I said um, I don't know all the churches in Dallas but I know several of them uh, what church do you attend in, or are you a member of in Dallas and they said a Kingdom Hall and I went Oh, my, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. They're not, they're not Christian. We've been talking, we've been using the word Jesus, but two separate Jesuses, as a pseudo-Jesus that they follow, rather than the historical Jesus of Scripture. Oh, my, this is like 15 minutes into our conversation. Uh, whoa, okay, so you're Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. All right, well, let me correct something. We, we've been talking about two different Jesuses. Uh, I remember Dr. Moeller who said to the Mormons um, down at Brigham Young when he spoke there, he says, we may be going to jail together on the whole issue of homosexuality and standing firm for that, uh, against that in our culture. We may be going to jail together, but we're not going to heaven together. <laughs> well, it was something like that where I had to say, well, we're, we're, we're not Christians. I mean, I am, but you're, you're, you're not a follower of the Christ of Scripture. You've got a different... And it was a tough trip from there all the way to, <laughs> to Dallas. But when we use words like love, what does the Bible define love as? So when you're, I'm doing premarital counseling, and the guy says, and he did, he said, a man, I love her. Because I, I asked, why do you want to marry her? Because I love her. Could you define for me love is what I asked him. And he said, yeah, I'm passionate about her. so to you loving her is that you have a lot of passion yeah so let's say you're two years into your marriage i was really gracious there you're two years into your marriage (laughs) and you wake up one morning and you just don't have that passion what will you conclude he said well then i've fallen out of love and her mouth just dropped open. I mean, I, I, she was both, they were sitting right in front of me. And she's like, because all he's been telling her is he loves her, he loves her, he loves her. And what she meant, because I asked her, could you define love for me the way, you know, God says uh, to love each other? And she said, well, it's a commitment. A commitment till I die or he dies. And he might die sooner than he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're using the words the biblical words but do you know the definition of them you know there are different gospels out there there's different Jesuses. this is what we're told in second corinthians 11 uh, different Jesuses, different gospels and by the way that premarital lasted one day because when I went to try to help him think biblically about what love is he said are you going to be teaching me I I didn't think that's what this was about I thought we were discussing the wedding and his reaction of not being teachable for her was that one she was shocked that he said what he said and then the fact he wasn't even being willing to be taught she called me that afternoon and says I broke up good for her I mean, if he was not going to be teachable. So know the meaning of important biblical words. Uh, determine the meaning of a verse and passage within its context. Just like I said, Luke 4, 7. If you just read the context, you would know that's not a promise for Christians. That would, was a, Luke 4, 7, if you worship me, it will all be yours, would be Satan saying that. So it's very important that we know the, the verses within the context It's good to counsel from passages more than it is from verses because the passage keeps the spirits has a flow of thought there and you can catch the whole tenor of the the context of the passage and so i i don't cover a lot of verses in one sitting sometimes i'll just cover one passage we'll walk through one passage with them for homework I'll assign some other verses or passages that they can look up and study. If you're all over, you know what it is if I, for this hour, I had you turning to 30 different places in the Bible? Some of you said that's good. Most of you said, "What this is, I'm just getting a, a shotgun of pellets here. Better to have a rifle with one bullet. Let's just take one passage, work it through, think on it, meditate on it, and then apply it. Another point here in your notes, interpret every passage in harmony with the rest of Scripture. The Spirit inspired all of Scripture, so there's no contradiction. What does all of Scripture say about this particular issue that you are studying there and helping them with? Number four, biblical instruction must be Christ-centered. We ought to be talking about Jesus quite often in our counseling. If you don't hear yourself mentioning the name of Jesus... Then, what are you talking about, and whose image are you trying to help them to become or be conformed into? And some people said, "Well, I talk about the gospel a lot. Well, you mean you mentioned the word gospel? Yeah, I talk. I, you know, you need the gospel, and the gospel do this, and the gospel, the gospel, gospel. Well, that's like me talking about my marriage. Man, I can't wait to get home. With my marriage, my marriage is wonderful. I love my marriage." Uh, she has a name. It's not just my marriage. Gospel is the good news about who. It's about Jesus. And I think we really need to be mentioning Jesus much more than often we do. And if it fills our hearts, if he fills our hearts, it will come out our mouth. So just listen to yourself. If you're spending an hour and you haven't even talked about Jesus except mention his name in prayer... Maybe it's not so Christ-centered of what you're in your counseling. So just a good reminder. Number five, use instruction that is action-oriented and faith-directed. Uh, the, the instruction ought to take them somewhere into application. It should not just be instruction to be academic. Oh, that was really interesting. It ought to be what do we now do I need to do? In relationship to what I just was taught in Scripture. Hearing should always lead to doing. If it doesn't, knowledge alone, first Corinthians eight, one, does what? Knowledge alone puffs up. We've become arrogant and heady, and uh, we don't we're not growing in faith towards Christ. Uh, number six, emphasize the three factored approach or application, which is who we once were, what we need to put off, how to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and heart, and then what we need to put on and grow in our faith, which is from Ephesians 4, verses 22, putting off, being renewed is verse 23, in the heart out, and then verse 24 of Ephesians 4 is now this is the life that ought to be reflective of Christ. Sort of a three-factor application. Number seven, clearly differentiate between divine directives and human suggestions. Now I'm going to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. For those who are, will be here for this adult fellowship time, uh, this gets you in real trouble. When you take applications and raise them up to the level of a command. For example, the Lord tells me in Scripture four times to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Three in Ephesians 5, once in Colossians 3. So I have no excuse. God says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. That's a command. All authority. I can do that as a counselor, too. Listen, I can say, Joe, you've got to love your wife as Christ loved the church, because Scripture has that command and authority. Now, couch time, is that a command? You're not going to find it in the Bible. Is it a good application? Is it a way to, to show love to your wife, go home, just sit, I'm going to listen, how was your day, talk to me, what's been going on with the kids, and just, you know, um, is that a good thing? Yeah, it's a great Can I command a counselee? You must have couch time with authority. Can I command that? No. I can suggest that. I could suggest texting her during the day. I could suggest uh, making sure not to forget the anniversary. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's all kind. There are many applications to commands in the bible many applications and what the danger is when an application a way becomes the way and now becomes God's way now you're in trouble I remember there was a a parenting program it's still out there but I went to Grace Community Church and I was standing there with my uh, I was talking outside uh, Sunday morning on the patio area at Grace Church, and I was talking to this guy, and then my my son came behind this guy, and he, like this, you know, and he wanted my attention. He got it. I'm just talking to this man. excuse me, and the man saw it too. He saw my son waving his arms, and I I said, Mark, what is it? And he said, can I go over to this uh, friend's house for the afternoon, come back tonight for church? I said, have you talked with mom? yet?" okay, fine, you can go. And I went back to him, he goes, he didn't honor you. I said, what do you mean he didn't honor me? He's supposed to come over and put his hand on your hip and just stand there. I said, what? He said, yeah, he didn't honor you. If he was going to honor you, he'd come over there and put his hand there and stand there quietly. I said, well, says who? Well, says his parenting material. I said, well, you know, hand on hip and stand there quietly, is that a good way? Is that a good application of honor your parents when they're talking to somebody? Yeah. I have no problem with that. Matter of fact, probably better if they can reach your hip, depending on how young they are. That's not a problem. But a way had become the way, and now was God's way. Homeschooling. Any command in the Bible to homeschool? Homeschool some of you are going oh yeah yeah it's Deuteronomy 6 that's not a don't don't be misusing that verse there's no command in the Bible to homeschool is it an application of a way of training your children yeah it's a good way for some but watch it that a way becomes the way and now becomes God's way and if you're not homeschooling you're, you're not pleasing God. Do you follow what happens when a way becomes the. And we, you know how many applications that have risen up to the level of command in our churches? A ton. You just have to be careful. So be careful, that it clearly differentiate. This is a command. So I can tell the guy if he said, I don't like that couch stuff. And I can't text my wife during work. And I can't do this. And I can't do that. And date night. I can't do that. And all this stuff. All right. You don't like any of those applications, so you tell me, how are you going to love your wife this week? Now, that's the command. I'm not letting you off the hook here, and we're not leaving with just love your wife this week. I want some practical applications, how you're going to sacrificially love your wife like Christ loved the church. So tell me. Anyway, you know, well, I guess I could have some time when I get home and listen to her. Okay. I, I could probably text her. I could probably... yeah. People want to shirk responsibility. Also, instruction should be biblically appropriate. Biblically appropriate. The content of instruction should be appropriate to their problem. Just because you've been having your devotions in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 on giving, that may not be appropriate if they're depressed and they need encouragement. And you say, you know what was really encouraging to me about giving? that's what you've been studying that's not appropriate to what they need to be hearing so make sure your instruction is biblically appropriate to what they they're dealing with in their life the method should be appropriate there's all kinds of ways that christ ministered his word publicly privately reading q and a I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The timing of instruction. Sometimes when someone's in despair about all they can handle of God's truth is an eyedropper of truth. Sometimes it's just one promise of God. Just give me one verse that just tells me God has not forsaken me. I remember a guy who was, I just don't see why life's worth living. I was like holding on to a rope God was on the other end and he's let go, and I'm just falling out of his presence. That's what this guy told me. I was a freshman in college, and he was a class president in his junior year. And he was sitting at the bench, and I was there, and I, he said, That's, uh, he asked me how I was doing. I said, I'm doing okay. And then he said, What's well, where I'm at? And I was, uh, You're falling out of the presence of God, and God's let go, and you're, uh, I don't even know what's going on I wasn't trained in any kind of counseling I was only a believer for half a year but I'd started memorizing scripture one of the passages I was memorizing that summer uh, before I went there in the fall was Psalm 139 you know what the Lord says in Psalm 139 but David the Lord through David says where can I go from your presence right to if I send to heaven you're there if I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. It doesn't matter where I go. I don't move away from, I can't leave your presence. You are always there. I'm always in your presence. That's why I shared with him. And he said that helped him because it was God's word. And I didn't know a lot. I just shared with scripture that to talk about out of the presence. God says, you're never out of my presence. That's what I shared. So those... The, the timing of it. Now, the development, think down here, the development of counseling instruction. Here are some things you can do. You can develop a topical work list and or files. I would, I would encourage you, uh, hard copies, just have some files on, on, on issues, anxiety and fear. Have a file on depression. Have a file on sexual problems. Have a file, just the common problems that people are facing Uh, uh, I have a one on heart worship that involves food. So then you get bulimia, anorexia, and gluttony. So just files, and you start putting in there scriptures that deal with these topics, articles on it, uh, things I've heard, listened to, that you can download and listen to someone teach on it. I'm just throwing things in those files. And before long, you'll have quite a few of them, and you can subdivide them. And then another way is producing uh, a personalized, chain-referenced ref- Bible. By that, I mean if you say, ah, okay, worry. That's a very common sin. A very socially accepted. People, You'll hear it often. I'm just a worrier. Well, that's sad. Matter of fact, that's sinful. So you go, I, 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 can't, I don't know all the verses on worry. Just memorize one one reference. And in your Bible, you can turn there like a Philippians chapter 4. And you go to Philippians 4 and in the margin, you can write other references. So it can help you with homework. And this week, I want you to also look at Matthew 6, where the Lord dealt with the disciples who were worrying. You follow that? You can, some Psalms and, so that's what I mean by a chain-referenced Bible. You, can, uh, you heard that with Brad with his Bible. I mean, you start putting notes and cross-references, and boy, you hate to go from Bible to Bible. Uh, so I've, Brad's figured out how to do that, not to do that. Letter C, become familiar with people and their research on different topics. Today, because of self-publishing, more and more people who are committed to the biblical sufficiency of scripture are writing and getting it published you go down in the resource center it's probably one of the best resource centers around in churches is what's down in this church at the very uh, front of the church and you'll begin to see who's done a lot of work research on various topics and just becoming familiar with them And being able maybe to contact them if you have specific questions about you're dealing with someone who's got um, an autistic child. So who's written on that from a biblical counseling perspective and can I email this person or contact them? We've got a special thing going that we have some questions on. So just become familiar with them. Now you have there uh, utilize some training resources. I listed several of them. the ACBC formerly was known as nank now ACBC. They move their offices from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, down to Jacksonville. Uh, Dr. Heath Lambert is the executive director, uh, and I would just strongly encourage you uh, to link onto their website they 've got blogs every day and just things that are pod- podcasts that are very helpful on topics that we 're facing in Biblical Ministry and Counseling. Uh, The Master's College, actually it's a Master's University now, just changed its name. Uh, Biblical Counseling, Discipleship of SoCal, there's a lot of resources there. Grace Community Church is a resource. Southern Seminary uh, down here in Louisville, a lot of resources there for education and Biblical Counseling. Uh, Faith Biblical Counseling Ministries, a lot of you are familiar with that, uh, that church and the various ministries there. And they, uh, they also have uh, a website with um, their bookstore listed. So you can type in any issue you're dealing with in, in their website and will pop up all kinds of seminars, notes, booklets, books on the topic. And you can order it from there as well. And they usually get it to you within a couple of days. Uh, Grace Fellowship Church here. Uh, Twelve Stones, some of you are familiar with that. It's like a triage, a three-day triage, intensive counseling, uh, just southwest of in, uh, Indianapolis. A uh, CCEF, uh, East, over there and outside Philadelphia. Then there's a couple other organizations there, the BCC, uh, Biblical Counseling Coalition. So there's some resources, places you can go to find helps or training or further training and then you have with scripture comes biblical meditation and insight this means not only what scripture says but i want to dwell on it now meditation is musing over what god says in his word thinking about it it's like putting a tea bag in a hot cup of water and leaving it there because what happens in church sometimes is the tea bag goes in and right back out, right? In an hour, boom, boom. And you go, oh, okay, I asked some discolored water, uh, but I don't get all of the benefit of that tea bag unless it sits in there. And I want to extract out all that's there. That's biblical meditation. The Puritans were very big on this. Biblical meditation. And let me just quote George Swinnock, who said, Meditation is a serious applying of the mind to some sacred subject until our affections are warmed. You want warm affections for the Lord and the things of God? So I I want to feel. You know how you get those? You got to meditate on scripture. If you want warm affections... You need to meditate on Scripture, on the things of God, on who He is, what He's done, His promises. And then he says, until our affections are warmed and our resolution, our choices are strengthened against evil. Biblical, it starts with biblical meditation. You want affections warmed toward your spouse? Very similar. Meditate on the facts about your wife or your husband. Be thankful. Think how God has blessed you. Anything above hell is a blessing. Think of all, and before long, before you're thinking all these things about your spouse and how God's gifted them and blessed you in many ways, then the affections are warmed. Affections tend to follow meditation usually people come in and say, ah, oh, there's no affection anymore. Right? A fallen out of love kind of thing. Well, let's do some biblical meditation. Uh, John, uh, Thomas Manton, another Puritan, said, We meditate when we exercise our minds on the word of God and the matters contained therein. We meditate when we exercise our minds on the word of God and the matters contained therein. So that's so important that we do a biblical meditation on scripture into application so they see the truth and their situation they begin to see their own heart before the lord and it's the bridge between knowing and doing because i know what's right doesn't mean i'm going to do what's right unless i meditate on it into my life so this this is a A picture here of the three components of our heart our thinking our affections and our choices and our cognition our thinking affects and warms up our affections that move into strengthens our resolve to do what's right and we're thankful that the lord graced us with saving faith so we grow in our love towards god and our love towards other people just a good reminder that's what's going on in our hearts and if you're not, or if I'm not, much in the Word, is everything inside starts short-circuiting. And it needs to be recalibrated with Scripture. I mean, think about the hours on social media, the hours in front of TV or computer, and maybe ten minutes in the Word. What What do you think's going to happen? You see, it's just really strengthen that resolve. I'm going to be in the word as much as possible. Even if you're a mother and you've got kids all over, um, take a little of the word and then think about it. Put post-it notes everywhere around the house. Dwell on that through the day. It's not 10 minutes in the morning. It's time released. You've got to keep thinking about it all day long intentionally. Okay, let's move on now to implementation. Implementation or homework. Remember, this is being a hearer of the word. We talked about instruction. I heard the word. I've meditated on it. Now it moves into being a doer of it. Implementation, homework, you could call it practical projects, growth projects, but you have to do. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. it's john the baptist he's preaching uh, repent uh, that's his message that he's preaching up there in verse 3 baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. so he's preaching that in the jordan area and people are coming to hear him and you have the crowds the crowds are made up of both of religious leaders and seekers and i want you to go down to verse 10 and the crowds asked him, at John the Baptist, "What then shall we do?" That's every preacher's dream: is to have the members say, uh, the people there, "What should we do with what you just said from the Word?" Now watch what he says to the crowds, and he answered them, "Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none." And whoever has food is to do likewise. See, that's action-oriented. This is how you do. This is what repentance looks like and loving people for the crowds. Now also, verse 12, there's another group. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who... no." different applications to different people same message different applications to different people for tax collectors and you have to know the the people and what's going on in their life tax collectors were robbing people and so he says collect no more than you're authorized to do Then soldiers, verse 14, also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. He knew the people. So when you're counseling, you've got to know the person in front of you well enough, the scriptures that we just covered, how can they specifically be best applied in your life? And this is implementation or assigning homework. And it differs uh, for different people. If I have a husband and wife, I have different applications. If there's children, this is going to be different applications to different children. I remember with my daughter, when she was um, acting up some in the early teen years, and I said, well, we stopped spanking around 11, 10, 11. So now we're still looking for something that's painful, but not spanking. Uh, and there's all kinds of ways to discipline. Spanking's one of them. So, remove phone privileges. That's why you get a daughter a cell phone, so you can take it away. Uh, Yuda thought I uh, a nuclear reaction just took place you're not going to be able to use the phone for a few days. What? Yep. The you, you, way you were talking to your mother, uh, that disrespectful tone, and uh, that you haven't learned how to speak properly, and family's the best place that you learn, so taking away the phone privileges. And she said, could I get a spanking instead? <laughs> what a great application to help her it's painful of now if my son Mark, Mark, you're going to lose the phone privileges. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't talk on the phone anyway. You can take that away for years. Different applications for different people. So you have to know the person. If I say, okay, uh, you can't be using your skateboard, or whoa, dad, no. See? There's pain. So it's a way of this whole area of uh, application if you don't know your the people that you're ministering to you won't know what's best as far as application so know them well and then be appropriate now reasons for assigning homework all right if we're not a doer of the word we'll be deceived james chapter 1 so reasons for homework it translates what was discussed into action It translates what was just discussed into action. Now they are going to live what we just read from Scripture. It puts responsibility for change where it belongs. I can't change you. God won't obey for you, so you need to cooperate with the Lord. Depend on Him, but you must put uh, these uh, points of um, Scripture into application in your life. It keeps expectations clear for both counselor and counselee. It helps minimize dependence. Before long, they're coming back after a week and saying, you know what I learned this week? You know what I was, I I saw this about God in the scripture, and I learned this. They get really excited, and they're less and less dependent on you. More and more, it's what Christ is doing in their life, not what a great counselor they have and You. It helps the counselor to be a faithful steward of your time. Now, I want to be available and help people, but if they don't really want to apply scripture to their lives, they will waste your time. And you have to be a faithful steward of your time, right? Redeem the time, Ephesians chapter 5. Redeem the time. And if someone keeps coming and talking about their problems, but they don't want to go to God's word and solutions, and help and encourage them, then they're not serious about growth in their life, and they're going to take a lot of your time. So homework is one way to help weed this out, and sort of uh, let you know if they're serious or not. If they don't, if I assign homework. I tell them, I'm, I'm looking for about three hours a week for you to put into study throughout the week. I want a half hour a day for six days, three hours. Do you think you can come up with a half hour in a day? And if they say, no, can't do that, then we're gonna do a schedule and see what they do with their time. And more than likely, you're gonna find they have a lot of time. You make time for what you want, and they're watching TV for hours upon hours. But don't have a half hour so we're going to find the time so I want them to do that work and I'll assign various things and I'll talk about that in a minute if they come back the next week and say you yeah, know I didn't get any done well now I'm looking for a reason or an excuse a reason would be legitimate uh, my wife was ill, had to go to the emergency room, and was admitted to the hospital. I was there trying to take care of everything, this, that, and the other, and it was just a, a very difficult week, in and out of the hospital, watching the kids, and getting them to school and all this stuff. Well, that's, yeah, that's a reason. If they said, well, no, it's just busy. Right. Okay, the last Monday night when you came home, what'd you do? Well, it was CSI, was on a couple shows. Uh, Tuesday night. Well, there was actually some football I was watching. Now it's an excuse. An excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Right? Sounds good. I'm busy. Until you start looking in it and then you find out that was just a lie. And so what I will do, I'll, I'll try to show the importance again of homework. And I may assign the work again and next week if they come back and it's not done i'm not meeting with them again until they get it done so what i say to them is i really want to help you but i can't change you you've got to cooperate with the spirit and you've got to work at this so when you get all this work done then you call me and then i'll i'll plan a time we'll we'll plan a time after you have it done Because I'm not here just to listen to problems. I want to help you grow. We want to look at solution, action-oriented solutions. So that really helps. That they call you when it's done. Then you have something to talk through and work through. It continues counseling. Number six, principles between sessions. It says you believe things can be different today. Let's get started today. If I go to a dentist um, and, and the dentist says, how are you feeling today? Well, not very good. I got, you know, i packed a tooth. Well, come back next week and we'll talk about how you feel. And do that for the next three or four months. How you feel today after three months? Well, you know what? It's kind of numb. Actually, half my head is numb. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. That's often what counseling christian counseling and and secular counseling is how are you feeling but when we say you know I, um, how are you feeling today and what's going on in your life well, let's get go, let's get busy this week here are some things to get going we're going to start moving that's like a dentist saying open up we're getting in there and we're going after that uh, either root canal or cavity or we're going to take some exercise we're moving well you're my friend my friend is someone who's going to help me faithful are the wounds of a friend And it provides good uh, data for subsequent sessions. So when they bring back their homework, uh, it helps you see they're serious. What they have, um, if they've journaled, it gives you a lot of information. What they want, what they think for next several sessions. Then Now the mechanics of homework. Be specific and concrete. Don't just say, I want you to be a good spiritual leader this week. All right, Joe, you be a spiritual leader. Well, what does that mean? What does a spiritual leader look like? Don't fly around at 30,000 feet in your homework. Be specific and concrete. For example, I want a half hour for six days a week. I figure you're in church on the seventh day. On, on, and, and, uh, you'll be getting the scripture on the seventh day. Let's go a half hour. I want you to read this section of scripture. And I want you to answer these two questions. So the more specific, the better Change occurs. Uh, Love your wife this week. What does that mean? Next week. Do you love your wife last week? Yeah, I guess so. All right. uh, There's no way to test it, verify it. So be specific and concrete. If you say, well, memorize Philippians 4 13, really? That's all you want them to do is memorize a verse? That's like a wanna. Sorry. But I grew up in Awana, and we memorized verses and had no clue what they meant or how it applied to our lives. So if if you're in a Awana program and you're working to make it what they what it means and what it how it applies to their life, praise God for that. But just you don't want them just to memorize a verse. You want them to ask questions and apply the verse to their life. Then be specific with that in your homework. Involve both knowing and action. You want knowing and doing, knowing and doing. Right, the cognition out and the affections into their volition assignments need to be appropriate to the problem we mentioned that already review previous homework in the beginning of each session if you don't go over their homework they won't do a good job at it so look at it and then uh, some examples now that is not a misprint I wasn't wasting good trees but I put huge font Make sure we're using God's word in homework. Now, there are a lot of books and book pamphlets, which comes next. I mean, down in that resource center, there are booklets you can have them read. For example, Loving Your Wife, you know, Who Does the Dishes and Responsibilities, uh, Topics of Marital Intimacy. I mean, there's just so many different booklets out there. There's books you can work through chapter by chapter. Uh, there's little devotions beside Still Waters by Spurgeon, a collection of just little things they can read for encouragement. All these books and pamphlets are very good, excellent, but make them supplemental. They are 12 font, and Scripture has to be 100 font. You follow that? Don't. I wrote a blog a couple weeks ago on don't let Scripture take a back seat in our counseling. You know, if someone says, oh, you're, you're struggling with uh, your marriage, oh, okay, here, uh, you need to, let's start working through a book on strengthening your marriage. Well, does Scripture have anything to say about our marriage first? And it's great. I mean, Strengthening your marriage by Waymack is great, but you know what? Let's look at the Bible, and even books... Uh, that you do look at, little pamphlets. You can read this uh, by Rob Green on marital intimacy, but let's capitalize on the verses that he talks about. Scripture has to be front and center. And then come pamphlets, books, tapes. Uh, Be sure that you don't miss music and counseling. A sign, maybe there's some good songs good theology that just their mind's not blank and they're not just listening to themselves they're listening to music that takes them up to god and hope and some promises journals can be very helpful Daily study prayer times, assign that, like I said, a half hour a day. Church attendance, don't assume people are going to church. If they haven't been regularly going to church, then come to our church. Sit with us. Come over for a meal afterwards. Just reach out. It's a life on life. I want to care for you, but we're going to be uh, assigning specific and concrete things to do. Loving deeds. Uh, don't, usually counseling, the p- counselee is turned in on themselves. So part of that is loving God and loving other people. So it may be within a few sessions I'll I'll say, you know, uh, we need to love God and love others more. Did you hear on Sunday there was a need? Someone came home from the hospital um, and they were having a sign-up sheet for meals. Do you think you could make a meal, an extra meal, and take it over there? Push them out to, to love other people. There's various Bible studies and other ways and applications there of homework i put there in your notes a sample of homework as well so you can read over that how do you know when you're done checkup session i think it's page seven there a checkup session how do you know when the counseling has been effective when they understand what their problem was biblically and how to handle it you don't want them to say you know what we're different i don't know what happened you know, I met with Stuart. I don't know what happened, but we're different. That's not good. You want them to help disciple other people. You want them to work through issues so they can help others who are going through issues. But they're understanding and implementing the new response pattern. They're practicing the new pattern automatically. And when they fail, and they will, they can diagnose what, where they failed and why and correct it. And they can state specifically how they've changed. And more often than not, they are very faithful when they're tested. And especially when other people see changes in their life and say, you're very different. I've known you, or a spouse says to the other spouse, you are just different. That's wonderful. And then they share, they start giving away and sharing things that uh, either Uh, books and booklets that were helpful and they're sharing verses with other people. Now it's a sign of help. Now healthy sheep reproduce. They're, They're involved in other people's lives now. Before they were isolated. Now they're out helping others. And they have an increased love for Christ and others. So just a reminder as we close and you have a break. These are the six key elements in the area of discipleship counseling you involve yourself life on life hope you gather information and inventory you interpret it biblically you use scripture accurately and ministering it to them in a dialogue fashion and then you help them be a doer of the word by implementing it in their life